Hey, I'm Dr. Judy and welcome to Supercharged Life where I help you discover new ways to create success, wellness and fulfillment and give you tangible tools to supercharge your life. Today we're going to talk about managing stress during times of great unknowns like right now. Right at this moment in time, we're facing a national mental health crisis that could yield serious health and social consequences for years to come. Each year, the American Psychological Association surveys people across the United States about stress, what causes it, its intensity, and how people are responding to stressors both mentally and physically. And since 2007, when the Stress in America survey was first conducted, We have seen various factors negatively affect stress levels from economic downturns to the impact of racism to political conflict. But the 2020 survey is very different. It reveals that Americans have been profoundly affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, the ongoing political stress, and yet other factors Americans have listed in previous years as sources of stress are still here and they're still causing problems. And these compounding stressors are having real consequences on our minds and bodies. It's the unusual combination of these factors and the persistent drumbeat of a crisis that shows no signs of going away yet that's leading APA to sound the alarm. So we need to act right now to help ourselves and others who need it so that we can prevent a much more serious and widespread mental health crisis. Together, we can emerge from this time in our history and look forward to a brighter future together. I'm going to share with you some stats that demonstrate how serious this is. And this is not to scare you, but we're just going to talk about the problem and then we're going to talk about how to solve it for the rest of the podcast. Nearly 8 in 10 adults say that the coronavirus pandemic is a significant source of stress in their life. And 2 in 3 adults say that they have experienced increased stress over the course of these past months of the pandemic. When considering the physical and emotional toll of increased stress, nearly half of adults report that their behaviors have been negatively affected. Most commonly, they report increased tension in their bodies, snapping or getting angry very quickly, unexpected mood swings, or even screaming or yelling at a loved one. Nearly two in three adults say that the current amount of uncertainty in our nation is causing them stress. Furthermore, 60% say that the number of issues America faces today is overwhelming to them. Issues they're stressed about aren't going away. They're just piling up. And this statistic might surprise you. Gen Z adults report the highest stress level during the past month on average at a 6 out of 10 on stress. And this is significantly higher than all of the other generations. Why? Well, Gen Zers are probably especially stressed because they're at a pivotal moment in their lives. They're experiencing early adulthood at a time when the future looks very uncertain. A little stress every now and then isn't something to be concerned about, but this ongoing chronic stress is what causes and exacerbates many serious health and mental health problems. So I want to tell you briefly about what happens to your body when you experience stress. We as human beings are designed to manage spurts of stress very well so that when you encounter a perceived threat, like a large dog barking at you during your morning walk, your hypothalamus, which is a tiny region at your brain's base, sets off an alarm system in your body. And through a combination of nerve and hormonal signals, the system prompts your adrenal glands to release a surge of hormones that prepares you for action and to defend yourself. Some of these hormones include adrenaline and cortisol. 
Now, adrenaline increases your heart rate, it elevates your blood pressure, and boosts your energy. And cortisol, which is the primary stress hormone, tells your body to shut down all non-essential functions that might get in the way of you responding well in a fight-or-flight situation. The body's stress response system turns off when it's no longer needed, and once this perceived threat is passed, your hormone levels return to normal and you're allowed to rest and restore yourself. As adrenaline and cortisol levels drop, your heart rate and blood pressure also return to a baseline, and all of your other systems resume their regular activities. But when stressors are always present and you constantly feel under attack, the fight-or-flight reaction stays turned on, you're unable to get into this more relaxed, parasympathetic nervous system where your mind and body can rest and restore itself. When adrenaline levels remain high, it prompts people to be more impulsive and aggressive than they usually would be. And while elevated cortisol is great at mitigating emergencies in the short term, when cortisol is chronically high, it alters your immune system responses and suppresses the digestive system, the reproductive system, and other growth processes. So this long-term activation of the stress response system puts you at increased risk of many health problems, including anxiety, depression, a lowered immune system, digestive problems, headaches, heart disease, sleep problems, weight gain, and even memory and concentration impairment. And that's why it's so important to learn healthy ways to cope with your life stressors. Whew, okay, so we got through all of the scary news, but what are we going to do about it? I got so many great questions from all of you. And of course, coping with uncertainty and stress is such an important topic right now. Everybody I know is being impacted by it in one way or another. I know I am, and I know the people close to me in my life are talking about it all the time. So let's really look at the problem and think about ways in which we can protect ourselves. Actually, I was just talking about some of these issues with one of my dearest friends, Mina. We were on a walk the other day and we're just talking about how the stress isn't going away. And I asked her if she'd jump on this podcast with me and share her experience. So everybody, please meet Mina. She is a mom and an entrepreneur and a fabulous, amazing woman. And like so many of you, she has also felt overwhelmed during this time. Hi, Mina. Hi, Judy. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. And again, I just think that this, this topic is so important to talk about. And I feel like it's just so real for everybody. And one of the questions that I got on my social media made me think about our conversation. This question is from Ziba on Facebook. And she asked me, how do I set a good example for my kids in terms of stress management? I've definitely struggled lately and I don't want to pretend to put on a happy face when I don't really feel that way, but I know my kids need support and good role models. What's your advice, Mina? First of all, your children are so adorable and they're angels for the most part, but still it's still stressful and you're constantly having to. Yes. So what do you think? I mean, you basically just described my 2020 with the high cortisol levels that just will not go away. I have no other way to describe it, but the stress just keeps rising and piling up, like you said, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard not to snap at your kids or your loved ones because there's just so much going on every day. And I really feel like when I look back on last year compared to this year, it's almost 
you know, if you just compare the two, it's, everything is still there, the same pressures of the day-to-day life, the same responsibilities. But in addition to that, we're all stuck at home. We have kids at our house. We have pods at our house. You know, we're trying to do what we want to do on a day-to-day level, but now I have to deal with network issues for my kid. I'm basically running their schedules, their Zoom calls, their Wi-Fi. I mean, it's so intense that sometimes it's hard to even believe it's happening. So, I mean, I think what happened to me early on, and I still struggle with it, is I realized it's all about self-care, which we hear about all the time. But truly, the days that I feel like I snap the most at my husband or my kids are the days that I'm not taking care of myself. So I wake up feeling frustrated with myself. I feel sluggish. I feel like I haven't been eating well. And so I'm mad at myself. And then in turn, when my kids do something minor, I'll snap. Um, On the days that I feel good, I've been drinking lots of water, I've been exercising. Those are the days that they'll do the same exact thing, but I can handle it. So I think one of the main ways I've had to take a step back and realize um, I'm overreacting to things is the days that I'm actually truly not taking care of myself. Um, So I think that's one of the main things that I try to focus on. Um, And one of the ways I do it too is just before I go to bed, after everybody's asleep, I'll write a list of things I want to do the next day, even as basic as waking up half an hour early and five things I want to do before they wake up, even if it's drink hot water with lemon. Just having it written down before I go to sleep really helps me in the morning wake up and have a plan. And then, you know, we all have our ongoing list of things to do every single day, obviously. So keeping things organized, but making sure I carve out time in the morning and the evening for myself where it's just quiet and I can really focus on what I need to do to keep myself sane, which is nearly impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your candidness. And also I love those tips. And I think that's what busy moms and busy parents in general have to do is sort of carve out those times for themselves where they're more likely to get a little quiet and alone time. And for you, it's after everybody's gone to sleep, or maybe like you said, waking up a bit earlier so that you have that time and space to organize yourself, look at your to-do list, maybe do some of the self-care that you needed. And the self-care that you're talking about is simple. It's It's making sure you drink water, exercise, you know, the things that hopefully everybody can squeeze in, even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes here and there. Have your kids told you or expressed that they're stressed in any way? Uh, yes, I definitely, for example, yesterday, my son got kicked off his zoom call for about five minutes. It took him about three minutes to call me to his room to help him. And then we were about five to seven minutes in when we finally figured out what was going on. And while he was waiting for his teacher to allow him back in the room, he looked at me and his line is always coronavirus sucks. And so I asked him why, and I always try to stop and let him explain why he feels that way because I feel so bad for them. He had tears in his eyes. So that is obviously a stress that he would never have experienced had this not happened. And, you know, for my daughter, it's little stuff like they celebrate their birthdays or their star of the week, but it's all over video, whereas they can't bring stuff in for sharing and show and tell. And it's all, you know, holding things up to the screen. So There's a lot of little stresses like that. Yeah. And it sounds like one of the tips for listeners who might be struggling with this and seeing their kids struggling is just to keep some level of normality for your children. Yeah. Have some structure. Let them know it's okay to be frustrated. And Mina, also, you're starting your own jewelry business. 
as you're also parenting, homeschooling, doing every other responsibility you have in your book. So what has this been like for you doing this during the pandemic? It's chaos, as it sounds, just the way you describe it. So one second, you know, I'm in my zone trying to do my business stuff and responding to people or just anything that I need to do in the next second, you know, there's a kid tugging on my shirt, asking for a snack, which, you know, I just gave them breakfast. Now I'm, you know, there's dirty dishes that I just cleaned. Now I'm getting snacks out of the pantry you know, it just keeps going. And then you're dealing with getting on zoom calls, helping your kids with school, their ABC worksheet, whatever it is. And the next thing you know, it's lunchtime. And then next thing you know, they want another snack. So it's nearly impossible to get it all done. And then it's dinner time and you haven't even thought about dinner yet or grocery shopping or Instacarting or whatever you need to do. So it is an endless stream that did not exist last year. So to start a business in that is crazy. I don't know what I'm thinking half the time, but it's, it's just nonstop. Some people have told me that they have self-defeating thoughts that perhaps they're experiencing imposter syndrome. And again, I think that the fact is everybody questions themselves sometimes, but it's important just to go ahead and get started. There's only so much planning and thinking you can do before you just Go for it. And there's never going to be an ideal time. So I really applaud Mina and anybody else who is thinking of starting a business right now, giving that little kickstart to our economy that we need so much and going after your dreams. And Mina, I have just so appreciated having you here. I'm a huge supporter. You guys need to check out her work. Her website is Leo Sierra Collection. We will have also the links in the show notes below if you want to check out her work. She also has a discount code for the listeners of the Supercharged Podcast, and we will also publish that. But where can people find out more about you on social media? Uh, my Instagram handle is at Leo Sierra Collection, and my website is also leosierracollection.com. Thanks again, Mina. It was so nice to hang out with you today. Thank you. That was really fun. You guys, that was so fun to have my friend Mina visit with us and help me answer a couple of the listener questions, but there's so many other questions to get to. So let's do it. I have my amazing team, my producer, Stephanie, and my sound engineer, Jonathan, and they're going to help me read some of your questions and we're going to answer them. So what's the first question, guys? Hi, Dr. Judy. The first question is uh, from Casey and he asks on Instagram, I feel like I'm constantly on edge and sometimes I feel like I'm on the verge of a panic attack. How do I cope with this? Oh, Casey, you are definitely not alone. As I was mentioning earlier on this episode, that stress response is real. You're constantly in fight or flight. And oftentimes when people are elevated in that sort of mindset, you're going to have difficulty feeling like you can catch your breath. And sometimes when you think about it a little bit, you think, oh my gosh, why am I having difficulty catching my breath? Is it because I'm having a heart attack? Am I dying? And that's what generally produces these feelings of escalating panic attacks. So the fact that you're feeling constantly on edge, that's definitely a response to being in that fight or flight mode for way too long. So what you need to do is you have to actively shift your body into the rest and restoration side. I know that's easier said than done, but here's the most amazing thing. Even 10 deep breaths that you can do in under a minute 
can immediately switch your mind from that fight or flight complex into the rest and restoration phase. And it lies in a biological fact. When you're breathing deeply, you are sending messages to your brain and the rest of your body that everything is cool. And even if your thoughts don't quite catch up right away, just the action of deep breathing and bringing oxygen throughout your body, it's an automatic thing that will happen on its own, even if you feel like your thoughts are still all over the place. If you don't believe me, just try it the next time you feel like you're on that verge of a panic attack and let me know how it goes because this is a proven tip that works for literally everybody because we're all human and we all have the same biological mechanisms. Love that question so much and good luck, Casey. What's the next question? This question, Dr. Judy, is from Jessica from Facebook. She says, I don't know why, but I can't help doom scrolling. The more negative the news, the longer I spend trying to read every article from every news source I can find, then I feel like I'm in a terrible mood the rest of the day. How do I stop? Oh boy, Jessica, lots of people are doom scrolling nowadays. It's like that train wreck you can't turn away from. You know the information's negative. You know you shouldn't click on that next link, but you do it anyway. And before you know it, it's been an hour and you've probably clicked from article to article for, gosh, most of the morning when you should have been doing something else. And then the more you do it, the more you start to feel negative feelings, the more you feel on edge. And of course, then you end up in a terrible mood the rest of the day. So the most important thing is that you set time limits for your doom scrolling, except that you're probably going to do it sometimes. And also you have to balance it with trying to stay informed, but you don't need to doom scroll to keep up with the news of every day. So what I like to do is recommend that people set a timer for 25 minutes and back it up to something that you have to do when the 25 minutes ends. So for example, if you have a meeting at noon, you may start doing your doom scrolling at 11.35 a.m. And that way, when the timer goes off, you also have to go to a meeting. So you have to put down your device and attend to the rest of your life. I think right now, everybody needs to put a boundary on how much they're consuming the news, which feels even more negative than usual. And so Putting a hard time limit on it really helps you to ease your mind a bit more and to step away before it hijacks the rest of your day. So we have another question from Instagram. This one is from Dennis. He says, I've lashed out at my family more than once since the pandemic started and it's getting worse. Sometimes I'll just start yelling at them over the smallest things. I apologize after, but I still feel terrible. What can I do to calm down? It is so hard to not act from your emotion mind right now and to take a deep breath before you open your mouth. I think people just feel like they have to get out what they're thinking. And it makes sense because there's so much that you can't control that sometimes when we're having conversations, a lot of misunderstandings can occur. You think that you heard something that felt personally insulting to you. And the first thing you do is emotionally react. And I'm not saying that your emotion mind 
isn't of benefit. Clearly, all emotions are important. They are adaptive. Emotions are how we've survived this entire time because emotions can tell us really important things that can ensure not only our survival, but also us thriving as a species. But right now, I think there's so many people who are acting first from their emotion mind. And so we have to sort of back up a little bit and take a beat and try your best to put yourself in someone else's shoes. It might feel hard to do that sometimes. Sometimes we call this theory of mind in psychology, where you try to imagine what somebody else is feeling, what their thought processes might be, and why they might act in a certain way in a certain situation. And I would say, give yourself a little grace, forgive yourself for sometimes having these lash outs, because this is not atypical. I hear this everywhere. The apologies are great, but Before you open your mouth, the next time you hear something that you felt like was insulting, clarify with your family members or friends first. Ask them, I think I heard you say this. Is that what you meant? And it's amazing when you just interject by asking that question during a heated conversation, how much misunderstandings can just be cleared up right then and it doesn't lead to that next step where there's a shouting match because you're giving them an open opportunity to say, Actually, that's not what I meant at all. In fact, I never even used that word or that term. This is what I meant. And once you realize that and recognize, oh, perhaps I've misperceived the situation, it helps you to be able to react in a much more calm and composed fashion. So I really recommend that the next time you think you heard something, just ask outright. I think I heard you say this. Was that correct? Give them a chance to correct your perception if it's wrong, and also just try your best to think about where they might be coming from. Just think, what if I was them right now and I disagreed with my opinion? What might I be really feeling or thinking on the inside? And just give them a little bit of forgiveness. I know that it can be hard when somebody disagrees with you, but give them a little bit of that forgiveness. Try to put yourself in their shoes just for a minute and act from a place of compassion the best that you can. Really great question from Dennis. I just feel like so many people must be having that experience right now. Great. Okay. So this next question is from Abe from Twitter. Abe says, I'm concerned that I'm drinking more as the pandemic wears on. I've started to drink every day. My friends and I joke about it all the time, but when do I know if it's starting to become a problem? And I have to say, I know a lot of people who are feeling similarly about drinking during the pandemic. It makes a lot of sense because right now all of us are looking for some form of escape from the daily stressors that just seem like they're not letting up. And alcohol and drug use are some of the most common ways that we can escape our problems, at least temporarily. Of course, later on, they might cause more problems. In fact, they almost always do. But there's also other forms of escape like watching too much TV, uh, doing too much internet scrolling, oversleeping, overeating. And so, I think that this drinking issue, though, is extremely relevant because, as you mentioned, Stephanie, a lot of people are doing it. Also, most people are still working from home. So, oh, well, why not crack open a beer at 10 a.m.? No one knows. And I'm at home. And so I think that we really have to start thinking about other healthy coping strategies. It's not necessary that you don't drink at all. If you don't have an alcohol problem, as far as addiction goes, you can enjoy a drink every now and then, but be moderate about it and try to cycle through some other coping strategies too. So think about some other healthy ways of coping, like taking a walk, taking a bath, calling a friend, 
doing a hobby, other things that can take your mind off of what's going on in your life right now that is stressful. So it gives you that sense of escape, but has healthier consequences. I also think that the second part of this is being okay that sometimes you're not going to feel okay. Learning to tolerate negative emotions and not being so afraid of them. I feel like our culture is so fearful of having any negative emotion, like it's going to take away from our happiness. But if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while, I've talked a lot about values-based living. And when we are doing things that are important to us, it's not going to feel good all the time. You're not going to be happy all the time. It's just unrealistic. And so when you have a negative feeling, the more you accept it and the more you ride it like a wave in the ocean, realizing that it's going to come and go, the funny thing is the quicker that negative feeling dissipates and stops bothering you. So good luck, Abe, and everybody else who's struggling with the same problem. So Dr. Judy, I think this question is a great follow-up to you talking about coping strategies. Candace from Twitter says, lately, my usual coping strategies aren't working. I can't settle down to meditate or even bring myself to light a candle when I love aromatherapy. What gives? Candace, I think it's because everything just feels like it's crushing right now. And so perhaps you've had a schedule of coping from before, and now maybe you just don't trust yourself or even trust the coping strategies to work. Of course, meditation, even briefly, for even just a couple of minutes of the day does work to bring some relief and aromatherapy still works. All those things still work. It's just that you may have lost some interest in doing them because perhaps you've lost some belief that they are going to work for you. So on the one hand, I would say that it's important to remember that even if these coping strategies only give you five minutes of relief, that's five minutes of relief that you will have that you wouldn't have had if you didn't use that coping strategy. And those minutes do add up over time. I have definitely had patients ask me, well, what's the point? I smell a candle or I take a bath. I feel good for 20 minutes and I feel bad again. But actually, the more positive moments you create, the more you're able to turn your mood around and as a result, also your actions for the rest of the day around. So these little moments really do matter. They really do add up. Think of them as accumulating in a piggy bank. It's like you, you put a quarter in every time and before you know it, you've got $5, $10, $20. So remember that you're depositing into your self-care and relaxation bank and any little thing helps. But if you are having a difficult time going to your usual coping strategies, think of some new ones. If you Google pleasant activities list, you will find a plethora of PDFs, documents, infographics that give you examples of quick and easy activities you can do by yourself and sometimes with other people that maybe you haven't thought of. And all of those things bring you that brief relief from the stress and those moments of joy. So again, Google pleasant activities list and look at all of the resources that are out there and start going through one of those lists, print one out and just start going down the list and trying those different things. And Keep a log of the ones that are working for you. And before you know it, you'll have a whole new list of coping strategies that you can draw from the next time you're stressed. What's the next question, guys? This next question is from Tina from Facebook. Tina says, my motivation has been really affected in the last few weeks. I was doing okay working from home for a while, but now I just don't want to do anything. Help. Tina, <laughs> I get it. I'm working 99% from home right now. And yeah, some days are definitely more difficult than others. I think the most important thing that has worked for me is continuing to keep a schedule, no matter how hard it feels, that you make sure that you are going to get up around the same time every morning, 
get some exercise in, do your morning routine, take a shower and get dressed. I can't stress how important that is to get dressed out of your pajama bottoms and actually put on clothes as if you are going to work. It really does help your mindset and helps your focus and motivation. Studies have proven this over and over again. And schedule your day out so that there's actually times for breaks. None of us can work and focus for long periods at a time. I think that what's happening is that As people are working from home, sometimes they feel like they've just been sitting at their desk for hours at a time without getting up. You got to get up. And I would suggest that if possible, that you take a five minute break every hour to an hour and a half. And when you take that break, don't just sit at your desk and keep scrolling the internet, watching YouTube. That's when you have to really remove yourself from your workspace, go somewhere else in the house, maybe even take a beat, walk outside, take a deep breath, really take in nature, come back in, but do something different from the routine of working. And it's important that you set this up for yourself because productivity and motivation when you work from home is very much self-initiated and it can get very difficult to do that. If that also feels difficult for you, get an accountability buddy. I always say that this is very important to have somebody Also knocking on your door, checking on you and saying, hey, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you make sure that you did your exercise this morning? Did you get these big projects done? It's great to check in with somebody else and just get some of that external validation and reinforcement from somebody that cares about you. So hopefully those techniques will help you. I know that everybody is feeling this, but my most important tip is to keep that structure together every day. And on the weekends, make sure you have time for rest and relaxation. I know a lot of people are also working on the weekends, but maybe on the weekends, you should work a bit less and give more time to your hobbies, your self-care and connecting with your friends and family. Okay, Dr. Judy, the last question is from Instagram. Christina asks, I've been feeling isolated. And as the weeks drag on, I find myself not caring as much to connect with my friends. I live alone and I know that this is important. Do you have any creative ideas to do this? And please, whatever you say, do not say a Zoom happy hour. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. And also, I think we need to discourage Zoom happy hours since everybody's drinking more than probably they should right now. So I get it. And I know that this is happening and affecting everybody, but especially if you live alone. So... I think that sometimes when people are living alone, especially, it's so much easier to isolate, haven't talked to anybody in a while, don't feel like texting people back, don't feel like calling people back. Then you just end up in your own little bubble, which, of course, increases that feeling of loneliness. I would suggest for Christina and anybody else who is feeling this way to visit with one another in a very safe and socially distanced way. I know that there are some people who are wearing their mask and going out and doing leisurely activities like playing golf and taking hikes, but of course, staying six feet apart, wearing their masks at all times and practicing good hand hygiene. So don't be afraid to explore those if your city's ordinances and the public health officials are saying that those are safe activities to do. I think that sometimes people have just given up on this old way of life, like, oh, I can't even go visit with a friend at a park. I think you can as long as you're staying safe and following all the guidelines. So start to do some of those things, because I think the more you step away from them, the more that fear grows and the more that isolation grows. So do look for safe in-person activities to do. I think that's extremely important. I also think that Zoom is being totally abused, um, that people are just on Zoom all the time. And then when you want to connect with people, you're back on Zoom and it's just too much. So instead of Zoom, think about doing a shared activity together 
And you don't have to do it over Zoom. But for example, I know a lot of people who have been going to exercise classes online with one another. They both sign into the same exercise class that's streaming online at the same time. And they're having a shared experience. Doesn't mean that you're on Zoom with them, talking to them through that experience, but you are doing something together. And then afterwards, you can talk about that experience together. You can also choose to attend a master class together. I know people who have been running online board games and and ways in which you can participate in an activity where you're doing something together, even if you're not sitting in the same room. And also there's a purpose and there's an element of teamwork. So I would say that those are probably the most important ways and maybe more creative ways to spend time together with your friends. And when all else fails, Christina, pick up the phone and call somebody. I know that everybody, again, wants that FaceTime, wants that Zoom. But guess what? I have heard that people have been feeling more relaxed if they can just have a regular phone call with a friend. They can lay on their bed and just hang out and shoot the shit for a little bit. We all need that. We need that feeling of relaxation and bonding with the people we care about. So good luck, Christina. Would love to hear what tips you tried and whether or not they work for you. You guys, I loved all the questions this week and there were so much more. So hopefully some of the ones that we were able to get to today has helped you think about different ways to manage the ongoing stress. And before I leave you for the day, I also want to get to my supercharged tips. These are my superstar ways to manage the chronic stress that we are all experiencing. The first tip is to stay connected. I just answered that listener question from Christina, which is so real for us right now. We're all looking for creative methods to still connect with our loved ones, but it is important. Did you know that human beings tend to get into a more rest and relaxation phase and stay out of fight or flight when we are with another person or a group of people? It's because human beings are social animals. We need that connection to feel safe. Now, obviously do it in a safe way. If you're thinking about getting together with people outside of your household, but certainly take the time to spend more quality time with the people who are in your household. And for those people who you love and can't visit in person, consider some of the creative ways that I suggested doing shared activities online it is still helpful and it is still going to be fruitful if you give it a shot. My second tip is to change your story. We are all storytellers and sometimes when stressful things happen, we tell ourselves a version of the story that isn't helpful or empowering to us. When in conflict, we might get down on ourselves, cast ourselves as a victim, or believe that we don't have control over what happens to us. But just knowing the difference between facts and our view of those facts can be a huge help. It can cultivate positive emotions and give you light bulb moments on how to solve the problem in front of you. Recently, I read a great article in Harvard Business Review about how people can cultivate positive energy by learning to change the stories we tell ourselves. So here's how you can tell the most empowered story possible in any stressful situation while still acknowledging the facts, because yes, sometimes reality sucks. So try viewing your stressful situation through one of the following three lenses. The reverse lens would be What would the other person in this situation feel or say? Put yourself in their shoes. This is especially helpful if you're maybe worrying about a conflict that you're having with somebody. The long lens is how will I view the situation in six months? Will it really still matter this much? Will I have learned some valuable lessons? And finally, the wide lens, regardless of what happens, how might I grow from this or what might I learn? 
Taking the time to think about these different lens when you're in a stressful situation and changing up your story is really going to help you to manage that stress. The third tip is to spend time alone. Yes, of course, it's important that we connect with our loved ones, but it's also important to get some peace and solitude alone when you don't have responsibilities or owe anybody else anything. You can just take that time to relax and focus on what you want. Mina talked about how she barely has any time alone. I think a lot of people feel that way, especially with family around all day and all of your responsibilities. So it's really important to seek that daily solitude and grounding that encourages rest and restoration. And it builds up a little bit at a time really matters. So if you only have 15 minutes in the morning, make sure that's set aside just for you. And during these alone times, reduce the external and environmental stimulation to try to achieve some semblance of peace and present mindedness. So if you need to put on some headphones, some relaxing music. And just allow yourself to be. Scheduling these mindful moments throughout the day can really help us to get out of the fight or flight and to experience these transient moments of relaxation that brings you to a place of restoration so that your body can heal itself and your mind can take a break. One of my other favorite things to do during my alone times is just some breath work. Again, taking 10 deep breaths. Sometimes it's helpful to repeat a nice mantra with each breath, whatever you like to do. There's literally no wrong way to do breath work as long as you're staying centered with yourself and making sure that you're staying grounded to the present moment and eliminating the distractions as best as possible. The fourth tip is to limit bad news. We got to stop that doom scrolling, guys. The exposure to negative news and video of people yelling, upset, being harassed or assaulted, they're not doing you any favors. I know that we have to stay informed, but there's got to be a limit. So set those limits for yourself. I personally think that nobody should be consuming more than one hour of news a day combined, especially if you feel like you're very sensitive to the negativity of the news. And so schedule these in 20 minute chunks, 25 minute chunks, but definitely don't go through an hour or more. And if you have kids in the house, teach them that same skill. And kids, by the way, probably shouldn't be exposed for more than 30 minutes at a time. So think about those tips. Think about how you can apply them to limit bad news and bad information coming into your life. My last tip is the one thing rule. This is my theme of the day. Focus on one thing. Focus on one thing you can control every day. Do one thing at a time and slow it down, creating space in between all your obligations and responsibilities. Do one thing that brings you joy every day. Do one thing that you know that is in the vein of improving your mental and physical health daily and state one thing you're grateful for. The next time you're feeling stressed, just think about one thing. What's the one thing I can do right now to improve the moment? And you're going to watch how that really turns your day around and how you can manage that chronic stress even as we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the next moment. Focusing on that one thing is really going to help. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Supercharged Life. If you like the show and you want to learn more, follow me on social media at Dr. Judy Ho. 
And remember to subscribe, download, and tell your friends and take a moment to leave a review because it'll mean a lot to me. If you have a question that you would like me to answer on a future episode of the podcast, I have a link below where you can submit questions anonymously or you can hit me up on social media and I will look forward to getting to your questions soon. I'm Dr. Judy and remember, anytime is a great time to supercharge your life. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical, psychological, or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For medical, psychological, or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician, a psychologist, or other trained professional. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.